We continue to mourn the loss of so many precious young lives in Parkland, Florida. We're determined to turn our grief into action. I'm going to write the bump stock, essentially write it out. So you won't have to worry about bump stock. Shortly, that'll be gone. It doesn't make sense that I have to wait till I'm 21 to get a handgun, but I can get this weapon at 18. I don't know. So I was just curious as to what you did in your bill. We, you don't address we didn't, it? We didn't address it, Mr. President. Look, I think you know we... why? Because you're afraid of the NRA. That was President Donald Trump talking to a group of senators about gun control in the wake of the Parkland, Florida school shooting. Welcome to the Got Science Podcast. I'm your host, Colleen McDonald. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention study death. Death by viruses, death by automobiles, death by diseases, death by bike accidents, death by cigarettes. But it does not study death by gun violence. That's our topic today on the Got Science Podcast. One of the coolest things about working with scientists is that I get to see how they process the world through the lens of problem solving. Bad news is never just bad news. It fits into a pattern that can be studied and examined. And perhaps with enough examination, the pattern can be changed to result in better news. Of course, scientists are also human beings. My colleagues and I have been distraught over the recent mass shooting in Parkland, Florida. For all of us, the senseless loss of young lives is devastating. And for the problem solvers, it's also incredibly frustrating because widespread gun violence is a problem that should be solved and it can be solved. We just don't have the tools. Research and examination of this problem would lead to science-based solutions. But there's been a deliberate choice in this country to ban public funding for research on gun violence. Gun control is an emotional issue for many, which is why we need problem solvers to do what they do best, examine the issue from all angles to find the best solution for public safety. This research would then give policymakers the information they need to make scientifically smart decisions to address the problem, ultimately leading to fewer lives lost, reductions in injuries, and changes in social norms through evidence-based interventions. The suite of options to curtail gun deaths could be much broader than simple restrictions on sales. For example, there could be safer technologies that could be used with guns themselves that might reduce accidental shootings. There are potential solutions we might not even know about yet, which is exactly why we need scientists to study this problem. Joining me to talk about the history behind our national decision to abandon the scientific study of gun violence prevention is my colleague, Sharice Johnson, research associate from our Center for Science and Democracy. Sharice and I delve into the Dickey Amendment, what the CDC can do, and why she's optimistic that data can save the day. One small but important programming note, when Sharice and I talk about gun violence, we're not just referring to random mass shootings, we're talking about the vast majority of the many gun injuries and deaths in this country that occur between victims and attackers who know each other, in workplaces, in homes, in rural areas, and in big cities. Hey, Sharice, thanks so much for joining me on the Got Science podcast. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. 
So I, I read your recent blog post about gun violence research, and in the wake of the most recent gun tragedy, I really wanted to bring the issue of gun violence research to our listeners. So you talk in your blog about the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, also known as the CDC, not getting funding from the government to research gun injuries. So I suspect most people think of the CDC as the agency that focuses on infectious diseases like Zika, the flu, or foodborne illnesses. So where does gun violence research fit into that work at the CDC? That is a good question that I'm sure, yes, many people are probably asking the same thing. People are probably most familiar with the CDC's work on studying disease, um, such as tracking the influenza and monitoring for potential of global epidemics. But the CDC also conducts injury research on everything from drownings to accidental falls to traumatic brain injuries to car crashes, not just infections. So the CDC used to actually do research on gun violence. And I can't remember the year, but you probably do. When the Dickey Amendment was passed, which now prevents the CDC from doing gun violence research. Can you just tell me about that and how that all came about? It seems a little odd that we can't research. Right, it is, isn't it? A bit odd. Um, Yeah, so what happened was there had been some studies that come out that suggested that having a gun in the house actually increased the risk of homicide and suicide. Then after successful lobbying by the National Rifle Association, a congressman from Arkansas by the name of Jay Dickey, he sponsored this amendment, known as the Dickey Amendment. It prohibited the CDC from advocating for or promoting gun control. So it never expressly said, you cannot research gun-related deaths, but conveniently the funding for the such research was then taken away. So if they wanted to study it in their free time, they could, right, but they're yeah. basically the funding dried up, right. so there's no more research. So I've seen written a lot in, in a lot of pieces and in your blog post talking about gun violence as a public health issue. How does gun violence fit into that category? Well, as the CDC says on their uh, website, their very own website, uh, they think of public health as protecting and improving the health of people in their communities. So one way they do this is by researching injury prevention. I saw a quote recently, an epidemiologist by the name of Nancy Krieger said, we in public health count dead people. It's one of the things we do. And we count them in order to understand how to prevent preventable deaths. Gun-related deaths and injuries are included in that. So the CDC is a government agency. Are there other government agencies that would research gun violence, or is it just basically the CDC? No, also uh, the NIH, the National Institute of Health. How many people on a yearly basis die from gun violence? We hear about mass shootings, but what is the total number? So according to CDC's mortality data, because they do have that, they uh, do obtain death certificates and they do keep track of how people die. So according to that data, over 36,000 people died from gun-related injuries in 2015. 
So that uh, report was just released recently. And to put that into context, that's more than the 35,485 motor vehicle deaths in 2015. Wow. So we do a ton of research into making cars safer, and that research leads to technologies and public policy decisions that end up saving thousands of lives and preventing so many more injuries, and everyone's not getting their cars taken away. How much money is spent on researching gun-related deaths? I don't know the exact dollar amount, but in 2017, the Journal of the American Medical Association published a research letter where they'd found that gun violence had less funding and fewer publications than comparable injury-related causes of death, including motor vehicle accidents and poisoning. Wow. What are medical professionals and associations saying about this? Yeah, so they're coming out pretty strong. For example, American Medical Association issued a press statement, I believe in 2016, announcing a new policy where they officially call gun violence in the U.S. a public health crisis. The same goes for the American Public Health Association. They also issued a statement calling gun violence a public health issue. So the public health community, medical community, they know what it is. And we know that there are large racial disparities in who's affected by gun violence. With uh, recent research that used existing CDC data showed that black children are 10 times as likely to die from gun violence than white kids. There are so many different things that we have to look into, right? Like in communities, like what is causing this, I guess... Right, I or to get to the root culture, cause. But yeah, like what, you is it, get what are to all the, the different cause. things that, yeah. And that if you can't this. research anything, you, you won't ever, right. you won't ever get... Right. Yeah. So and and that is because right now it's so easy for people to say, well, yeah, well, black on black crime, look, they're doing this, and we're gun owners, but we're not killing anyone, and that's fair. So let's look into it. Where are these people? Where are they getting their guns from? Why is this thing that's happening? And there are interventions and that that work. You know, community based interventions yeah. that work. Yeah. But guess what? They require political will and money. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not getting them. If you were going to design a research program, what sort of research would you lay out? What would you want to study? So there are a lot of research questions that we should be asking. Gun violence covers several issues under a really large umbrella. Some of the things we would want to know, uh, we need to learn more about causes of gun violence, the factors that make situations with guns deadlier. And not only that, but we need to be deliberate that this research is equitable, that we address gun violence without racist and classist biases, that we don't just think about gun violence as mass shootings, that we realize that urban gun violence is a huge issue as well, and that's been pushed to the side a lot more and we tend to typically hear more just about mass shootings. So that's that's something that we would need to definitely be aware of. Um, we would want to know more about the impact of existing gun laws 
because if we don't actually know how effective they are, then we, we can't we can't really go anywhere from here. <laughs> like we don't know what what we have in place if it's actually helping or not. We uh, need some research into the impact of gun safety technology, firearm violence prevention, and and other interventions and the role of domestic violence, certain mental health issues, and other potentially confounding factors that might predict violence. Also, I would say the cycle of gun violence itself, the physical, mental, economic, and social impacts to survivors of gun violence, paying, again, paying close attention to urban and low-income communities that are typically underserved but disproportionately impacted. Gosh, there's so many questions yeah, where we need more no... data. There's so many questions. Like, what yes. state laws reduce rates of violence? Uh, does media coverage or entertainment have a significant effect on gun use? Uh, how uh, do the data support restrictions on gun ownership for people with certain mental illnesses? Because, you know, that that's something that's pervasive in media right after a major event like this. It's always... Oh, it's mental health, mental health, mental health. Well, that stigmatizes a lot of people too. So we need to actually know what is it and, and what mental health issues. I, I can keep going. There's, I know, there, there, is, <laughs> there is no lack of areas to study. We'll be back in a moment with the second half of our interview. The Got Science podcast is brought to you by the Union of Concerned Scientists. More at gotsciencepodcast.org. If we have any federal scientists listening to the podcast, or you know a federal scientist, I want to let you know that we're conducting a survey in 16 agencies to gather information about scientific integrity and the working environment for government scientists one year into the Trump administration. Among the 16 agencies is the CDC. This is a confidential survey. You can find out more information at ucsusa.org slash survey. Now let's get back to our interview. What do you think needs to happen to reverse the Dickey Amendment to allow the CDC to study? I mean, do you think we're at a point in time where something might actually happen? I believe that we could. Maybe I'm just an optimist, but uh, you know, it's it's easy to say nothing ever changes, nothing ever changes, but it's time that I feel we should push for that change. We should not accept no for an answer and we, you know, we should use our voices and our vote to make sure that these things happen. So, if that's contacting your elected officials regularly <laughs> to tell them you know, I do not support this, uh, the Dickey Amendment, like, don't reauthorize it, stay on them, apply that pressure. I, I feel like it could happen because especially um, recently, the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services kind of, I wouldn't say just said, yeah, okay, we're going to do this research, but kind of did hint at the fact that they should be doing that research. Right. So like, okay. Maybe that's okay. a door opening. It could bit. be. So, mm. you know, apply the pressure there. But in terms sure of happens. just the straight sort of policy, that amendment would have to be repealed or I'm not sure. What the so, way okay. So this amendment, it's a budget writer. So uh, every year when we were going through the budget process, 
they tack on these what we call poison pill writers that have to be passed, you know, like right. they just put you, it on there so they know like, well, we're going to, we need a budget. So I'm just going to put this on here and it'll go through. Right. It's not no going to stop asked. the budget from being right. approved. So we need to make sure that's not reauthorized. We need to get that off of there and make sure the CDC is funded for this research and not to prevent their scientists from doing this important work. Politics has no place in these kind of decisions. It shouldn't be allowed. We should not allow our leaders to be influenced by, you know, the gun lobby to to have, you know, the CDC to have these very important research stifled because it doesn't fit their agenda. We're saying we need the research and they see, oh, they're just coming after our guns. They're coming after the Second Amendment. We can and should still be doing things while we're waiting for this research to be done because we do actually know some things, you know? But we need we need to move past just everyone's conjecture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need you, to move past there, that. Are there other independent places that are doing research? So, yeah, there, there are. Um, there are academics, you know, there are academics who are doing this research and there are some nonprofit organizations who mostly use what little data is available from CDC to come up with their numbers. You know, I'm, that's something else I wanted to bring up as well, is that this issue is not just, just it, it goes beyond just the ban on research. Uh, there's also a host of challenges that come with uh, restrictions on data collection. So many issues, but I feel a good start would be just actually collecting the data or attempting (laughs) like let's just attempt let's make an attempt and then from there we can try and come up with solutions to make it better but right now if we're not doing anything you know we've got to start somewhere just recently in the in the wake of the florida shooting speaker paul ryan said and i quote this is not the time to jump to some conclusion not knowing the full facts end quote so what do you say to that one had we been able to do this research for the last two decades, you know, he wouldn't have even had to say something like that. It wouldn't be need There would be facts. <laughs> We'd have that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's irresponsible to see this, this amount of violence happening with guns and to sit back and do nothing at all. I mean, I, I do feel like there's a point where you've got to just take the precautions necessary and just do something. But um, yeah, so the research would give policymakers the information they need to make science-based decisions to address this pressing problem that the U.S. really needs to solve and would ultimately lead to fewer lives lost, uh, reductions in injuries, and potentially even changes in social norms through science-based interventions. And that's what we're here to promote. Great. Well, thanks for joining me, Sharice. This has been an interesting and important conversation. Thank you so much for having me. In the few days since I talked to Sharice, so many things have happened. I decided to call her with a few follow-up questions. Hey, Sharice. I was thinking about our conversation last week, and I wanted to follow up with you on a couple of things. We were actually listening to the interview um, here in the office, 
And we were curious about other examples of, you know, research that helps to keep us safe and what some other examples might be. Well, I mean, we have entire agencies dedicated to this sort of thing, uh, product safety research, public health safety research, and some of the things that we've benefited from, from this research are things that we don't think about, right? So I mentioned the cars. We don't think about, uh, about seatbelts. We just know as soon as you get in the car, you put your seatbelt on. We don't think, oh, there's airbags in here. So if I get in an accident, that might save my life. And same goes for things like childproof pill bottles. That's just a given. You know, we just know, oh, yeah, the pill bottles are childproof because we don't want children getting into our medication and, you know, overdosing or dying. And also another example, I think, would be babies' cribs. So there were cribs that had these drop-down sides, and they were killing babies because um, the babies would get their heads, their necks caught in the bars. And so those aren't a thing anymore because of safety research. So I guess ultimately, I just think we don't have the answers we need to so many important questions that can help shape effective gun policy. And even a recent study by the RAND Corporation, uh, they reviewed available studies, policies, and outcomes to find that Surprise, surprise, we know next to nothing about the impacts of gun policies. And right now, it's kind of like advocates and opponents of gun safety policies are sort of doomed to the cycle of throwing conjecture around and inconclus inconclusive data into the ring, which translates to neither side budging from their positions and little to no action. What role do you think your fellow scientists can play in overturning the ban on gun research and what role can they play in the larger cultural slash political discussion about gun violence? Uh, well, Colleen, as you mentioned, we currently have a scientist survey that CDC scientists and other scientists at, um, at about 15 other agencies can take. But a few other things that scientists can do, I would say one of the most important is just push for funding. Push for funding on gun violence research, because that is all but non-existent. Um, I would also say um, it would be in very important and advantageous for scientists to ask policy relevant questions in their research. Now, there aren't many active academic researchers uh, who focus on gun violence right now, but if any of you are listening and you're one of the, the few who are, I would absolutely encourage policy relevant questions in your research. Actually, importantly, I just read that a researcher at the University of California Firearm Violence Research Center said in an invited commentary in the Journal of American Medical Association a few years back, he uh, cited an earlier study that showed there are no more than a dozen active and experienced academic researchers in the U.S. who focus on gun violence. This number might not be accurate now, but I doubt that it's risen significantly as there's little funds available for this research. There are probably more scientists in the U.S. studying teeny tiny tardigrades or water bears to the non-biological <laughs> listeners. Um, not that I'm discounting the importance of, of their contributions to very important evolutionary research, especially, but 
I figured that kind of helps to add some context on how under-researched this issue is. Evolutionary biological research is probably a lot less controversial than, than studying gun violence research. Yeah, yeah. And that also comes from a place of you know, values, but I guess evolutionary research isn't... I guess folks don't feel that that's impinging on their constitutional rights. Right. Well, I was just, I know I was thinking of a recent conversation that I had with Dr. Michael Mann, and he was talking about how he just never expected to be thrust into the spotlight and attacked for studying climate science. And I imagine scientists looking at gun violence research might have similar feelings about being reluctant to get into that. Yeah, I mean, not only is, is the lack of funding an issue there, but you don't want to be attacked you know, all the time because of the research you're doing that, that people are against for their own um, moral or political reasons. I mean, regardless of how folks feel about it, we still need the research. So are, are there other things that you feel scientists can do or maybe something for those of us who aren't scientists? What can the everyday person do? I would also encourage scientists and non-scientists alike to use their capacity as uh, concerned constituents to specifically put pressure on their members of Congress to lift the ban on gun violence research. And actually, we have an action alert where people can send a letter to their uh, members of Congress and listeners out there. You can access that at ucsusa.org slash action. Um, I encourage personalizing the letter just for impact. I feel that has more impact when you individualize your letter. Um, also, I would like to add there's a, uh, a march happening on March 24th, which happens to be my birthday. Um, so do me a favor and to celebrate uh, my birthday with me, <laughs> go out and join your local march. If you're not in D.C. and you can't make it to D.C. for the national march, uh, there are little satellite marches happening in various cities as well. Um, I am not sure about that, but I'm sure a little Google search will help you find out more information. Yeah, I know there's definitely a march happening in Boston. I I imagine most major cities will be doing something on that day. Sharice, what do you think a good outcome would be in, say, the next six months or year on this issue? I would say, I mean, funding gun violence research, uh, it's right now a pretty low bar, but a necessary one. So uh, hopefully, you know, in the next six months, we could say, yeah, this, um, the Dickey Amendment, which I'd mentioned, earlier uh, isn't going to be reauthorized, won't be reauthorized and will fund the CDC and, you know, hopefully we can just start, you know, CDC scientists can just start and and that would be a win. Great. Well, thanks for uh, hopping on Skype with me to answer a few follow-up questions. My pleasure. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Special thanks to Sharice Johnson. Editing and music by Brian Middleton. Research and writing by Pamela Worth. Additional editing and production support by Omari Spears. Our executive producer is Rich Hayes, and I'm your host, Colleen MacDonald. Federal scientists, please consider taking our confidential survey. Friends of federal scientists, 
please let them know about our survey at ucsusa.org survey. You can reach out to the podcast team at podcast at ucsusa.org. Thanks and see you next time.